0: Marvelites, who are listening to Marvel's pull list for our new Marvel Comics on sale
1: November 23rd, 2022. I'm Ryan Pinago, aka Agent M. And I'm Jasmine Estrada. The M stands for monkey. <laughs> Did you say M stands for monkey? Yeah, that's what it stands for. I'm letting everybody know because everyone keeps asking. Hmm.
0: You know what? I'll go with it. That's fine. Um, okay, sounds good. Yep. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody uh, who is celebrating. If you're seeing family, friends, taking some time for yourselves. Good. Be thankful for great Marvel comics because we got a whole lot to talk about this week. Um, There's some really fun stuff. And, 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 if you are not already going to be stuffed from all the good food, you better eat right now because we're going to get into a comic later on that is going to make you so hungry you don't (sighs) even know.
1: Yes, we're talking to Michelin chef. Paul Eschbach, about Test Kitchen Infinity Comics, uh, issues one through three, as well as the Halloween special and the Thanksgiving special that is out right now. Um, Highly recommend you eat before you read these um, and or listen to our reading club because we're going to talk about a lot and a lot of food.
0: Yeah, which is great. I love to eat, and uh, Chef Paul loves to cook. So we're going to get into that. It's really fun. That's going to be our reading club later. But of course, we have so many things to talk about in terms of other comics, because this is the official Marvel podcast for Marvel Comics, where we run you through all the brand new comics out this week, give you our three picks for our personal favorites, tell you what other books are out, and give out some awards to those, read some of your emails and your messages, and uh tell you what's hitting marvel unlimited what collections are out all that good stuff like we said it's a big honking episode let's get into it with our picks of the week first up for this fabulous week you know what and i said jasmine as we were picking our picks before we started i'm going meat and potatoes two great issues of wonderful comics that are not like new launches they're not like big World Under issues—they're just damn excellent issues. A favorite series of ours. So the first one is Daredevil issue number five, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Rafael Della Torre, and colors by Matthew Wilson, with lettering by VCs Clayton Cowles. Uh, big important stuff to know: the Daredevils are married. Yes. That's four D right there. Mister and Mrs. That's what. Double D. Quadruple D. Quadruple D. Quadruple There's all kinds of stuff going on because the Daredevils are putting together the uh, fist to go up against the hand. And over on the hand side of thing, mystical ninja, nasty crew of people, that's being uh, led in a lot of ways by Punisher. So you've got stuff that's been going on in the Punisher books lately and stuff that's going on in Daredevil. And they're running through these interesting parallel paths, not necessarily fighting each other a ton, but you can see that there are big things happening across these lines, which makes sense. I remember when I was a kid reading um, Daredevil and Punisher comics where they were going up against each other. There was a Wills portasio drawn issue of, I want to say it's Daredevil, with Punisher and Daredevil on the cover. And they fight. And it was so nasty. I loved that issue when I was a kid. But here, we just get a really awesome issue as you watch Matt and Elektra and Stick putting together their army. Figuring out how they're going to go up against the the mystical ninja clan of the of the hand who can resurrect the dead who have gotten bolder and meaner and scarier over time and in some ways daredevil is like we have to do that too um so in this issue it's a lot of like world building character building story layering but also full of fun supervillains we get to see stagron in here which made me so yes. happy so pumped stilt man stilt man having like a like a cute little moment I mean, yeah it was, it was really great Love uh it. we get u.s agent versus daredevil which is Ugh. a fight i was super into uh
1: dude those two pages like what two or three pages of a fight that encounter was something that, like I, I didn't know i wanted yeah but as it plays out in those couple of pages it's so badass
0: yeah a lot of stuff going on i don't want to give too much away i will say that daredevil has two weapons one he acquires in this issue and one we just notice him utilizing for the first time and i was just like Mm -hmm. oh this is a this is a like a nastier part of daredevil he's like playing for keeps it's a really exciting time for daredevil comics and uh i'm very much looking forward to where it goes just honestly rock solid issue something that uh, uh, gives me that vibe of like I need the next one, that feeling of I want more of this story right now. That's sometimes all we need to say this is one of our favorites of the week.
1: All right, next up, my pick of the week is Miracle Man by Gaiman and Buckingham, The Silver Age, number two, and it's written by Neil Gaiman with art by Mark Buckingham, colors by Jordy Belair, and lettering by Todd Klein. Shocking absolutely no one. This is probably my favorite book that we're putting out right now. Um, This issue picks up where we left off in the last issue where we have young Miracle Man waking up uh after he's been resurrected by miracle man and he is kind of having to come to terms with everything that's happened in this issue more than the last issue we have him not only experiencing you know all the the technology shifts, um, but also his stature, you know, like since he's left, like Miracle Man has kind of become a god. And so he's being presented and paraded around um, in different cities. He's, you know, he's got to show face and be like, yeah, like I'm young Miracle Man, like I'm mm-hmm. back, like, let's go. It's like he's on a press tour and <laughs> this is not like what he's used to uh and as he continues to go from place to place he's realizing that you know how much the world has changed he's reading comics about all these different experiences he's watching movies about and documentaries about the events that have happened in the last arc by Gaiman and Buckingham and it's it's terrifying you know it's putting a lot of questions into his head Um, but meanwhile we also get to see a little bit more about what's going on in Miracle Man's head and uh Miracle Woman's head and kind of like what how they're kind of dealing with this new, I guess, like someone new has entered the chat and they're like, okay, we got to figure out where does he fit into all of this? Um, Miracle Woman has some some ideas. She has a theory that she makes Miracle Man essentially uh, test out here and the results are pretty spectacular. I mean, I don't know, like it, it, it's written in a way where you don't really know um, if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's, really, really exciting. It's very, you know, real. It's it's something that we've seen as like a, a trope in comic books, you know, with when it comes to um certain characters and their sidekicks, their teenage sidekicks especially. Um so I'm I'm really happy and excited to see this kind of play out here. And mm-hmm. the reaction is is very much something that I know so many people have experienced because it changes everything about, you know, the way that they see the world. The other thing that I really, really liked about this issue is this issue has been printed before. Um, it's not the exact same art. Mark Buckingham has kind of, you know, he's redone the art for this issue. And at the second half of this comic, you get to see almost like a page by page comparison that I just adored. Because you get to see, yeah. you know, what it looked like a couple years ago. A couple years ago. That's like 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, 20 years ago. You get to see the difference. And it's it's really cool if you're a fan of comic books to just see the choices that he's made differently you know how he's doing it this time around how technology plays uh, a role how you know certain facial reactions are you know depicted the acting everything it's it's really really fascinating but like you know on that same note ryan 20 years ago the thing that like shocks me the most about this issue is the conclusion to this issue is so shocking and it like is such a cliffhanger that I cannot imagine what it was like when it first came out 20 years ago and having to wait this long to, you know, get that second half of that story. That's wild to me. Bonkers.
0: Uh, I have to correct myself because time doesn't make any sense to me. 20 years to me is in the 90 is, is the early nineties. It was 30 years ago because these these came out in 1991 that time period um, from, from these issues. So yes, yeah. yeah, this
1: issue is older than me. Yes. Or the original issue was. Man. But I love 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 this book. Um and like I said, any fan of comic books and comic book history should be picking this up. Those extra pages at the end are just an incredible like archive of just so many different things, um especially Mark Buckingham's art and technique.
0: Yeah, one of the the key things about all this is yeah, it's a thirty-year-old book, but it feels contemporary in its yeah. writing, in its flow, uh, and of course, Mark. Even even the originals f- felt very like advanced, um, felt futuristic. Then they feel even contemporary now. But then his his updated look and feel and everything that Mark has been doing in re-examining it and re- redrawing it in a lot of ways, it just it's spectacular. Just some of the best comics out there. All right. Our third pick of the week is X-Men number 17. This is written by Jerry Duggan, art by friend of the show, Joshua Kasara I guess Jerry's a friend of the show too. Fun. Yeah, I guess. Uh, and with colors by Guru EFX and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Like I said, you know, meat and potatoes, bread and butter, just damn good comics that are part of these ongoing stories and we can't help but absolutely fall in love with them. This one is great kind of important for uh, a lot of stories that have been going on for the X-Men for years. It follows as Forge is has gone into the vault where the children of the vault have been. Uh, we had previously seen these stories originally by uh, Jonathan Hickman and Leniel Yu, I believe. Um, but John Hickman was writing these stories about uh, Darwin, Wolverine, aka Laura, and um, Sink, going in there, investigating, doing the stuff. They got lost in there. They got stuck in there. Darwin um, was stuck in there. Wolverine never came out. Uh, she was dead. And eventually Sink well, was was sort of rescued in a way. And this has been the the mission to go get Darwin because Darwin's got one of those really cool, weird powers of he can survive anything. And so it's been the big like quest for what happened to him. And can they rescue him? And you've got this. Just Jerry is so twisted. he lets Forge create a uh, this suit that <laughs> utilizes pieces of mystique, but the personality powers and some memories of Caliban, uh, who has the ability to track mutants. And he turns like Caliban's face is this big X on Forge's chest, which is super twisted. But really important to the how this story progresses. Uh, ultimately, we saw last issue, there was a big revelation. They found something, and it was not Darwin. They found mm-hmm. another character. Uh, I won't spoil it if you haven't you know, seen it. If I don't you're know not caught up. Yeah, yeah, if you're not fully caught up, but they found that. And in this issue, you see what that means, and like the repercussions of Forge being like, that's not the mission. Peace. And yeah. Caliban, sweet boy Caliban. I love Caliban so much. He's just like he's been used and abused and he's just a good dude who gets roped into bad situations. Always, always, always. And he's like the voice of reason and hope and empathy in the storyline uh, because it, it's also a horror story in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. What can happen to the mutants, what can happen uh it, with the children of the vault unchecked, all kinds of things. but ultimately the one of the main reasons why I chose this was it gives me something I crave from our x-Men comics right now, happiness there are oh my God, moments of pure beauty and joy and like relief in this comic yes. and and yes. even the last couple pages which, are a sweet ending, if not necessarily a happy ending. It's something that we have not gotten a lot of in the Krakoan era because it's been, you know, they're in this utopian paradise that is Krakoa, safety for all mutants, but it is nightmare after nightmare after nightmare, and it it's horror show, horror show, which makes for great comics. But, like, I just need two sweet characters to kiss, and that happens here. And there's oh a lot God. of stuff in
1: this, which so is great. When I got to that section in this book, like you said, it's not a perfect ending by any means. Like no. this has so many other consequences that we still have yet to learn, and I'm very curious to see how Jerry deals with it. But when I got to that page, I got butterflies. Like it like I I we were joking about this earlier, Ryan, where I told you, "Oh, like every time I open up a new X-Men book, I'm like am I going to cry this issue?" Yeah. And this was one of those issues where I'm like, "Oh my god, like <laughs> almost started crying, tearing up, but like in in like pure happiness and joy because it's like this is something that, you know, a lot of fans have been asking about and it's a story that's been there since the beginning of, you know, Jonathan Hickman's X-Men run. So it's very, I don't know, it's, it's staple in here and I'm I'm excited to see where it goes and terrified to see where it goes really, mm-hmm. but I'm also happy and I love this. I love these types of moments. Yeah. Uh, huge shout out to Joshua
0: Kassara and Guru AFX. There's a big splash page of Krakoa, a version of Krakoa that is so detailed and cool. And then as, especially as you get into like little other bits and pieces of it, I was, you find yourself looking at it and sort of dreaming of that reality in some ways. Uh, but there's also the big hugely emotional splash page that Josh draws later on. I Somebody better buy that damn page and yes. frame it and then send me a picture. Somebody out there. Uh, it is – Perfect. It is a perfect page. Yes, my God. So those are three picks from us. We're going to get into all the rest, but before we do that, we got to get into our community section and our awards. Jasmine, what was last week's award?
1: Last week's award was the "You Could Learn a Thing or Two from Cats" award, um, and it actually came from Captain America and Winter Soldier Special Issue Number One. Yeah, and it was we we got a winner pretty
0: quickly this week from yeah. Karis Pollard at A. Karis Pollard saying, and look, I found the Marvel's pollist Quote, I hoped it would be talking about Alpine, but I thought that would be too good to be true, but it wasn't. Alpine is such a clever kitty. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, Alpine is uh, Bucky's cat's sweet little kitty cat who has does play a, a role in the comic.
1: Congrats, Karis. This was awesome. Thank you for tweeting at us uh, and sharing the rest of your picks this week. Yeah. Um, we also have a couple of emails over in our community section. We got an email from Murawa Ayodele, who is the writer on the Iron Man short story that we talked about last issue. One, he wanted to thank us for mentioning his, for all the love that we expressed on, the, on his short story. But two, that you remember when you couldn't figure out where the uh, Blade Runner reference was in, in the comics last week? Yes. It was in this short story, and Murawa had a little <laughs> chuckle about it. He was like, tell Ryan. That it's in Iron Man 25.
0: Yeah. Look, I, I knew it was there, but we read a lot of comics, Merwa. Uh, I know. And so, look, thank, uh, thank you for letting us know. Everybody can go back, read Iron Man 25, catch that reference, and also get yeah. excited for I Am Iron Man, which was officially announced recently. Uh, Merwa and Doton are doing the Iron Man story. They've been teasing for us. I can't freaking wait.
1: Dude, that cover that Doton did, yeah. insane, yeah, yeah. bonkers. Sure, 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 sure. Yes, very excited for
0: all of that and so much more. Uh, we also had an email from Joe Hoffman who said, I really enjoyed listening to the most recent episode of the podcast. From your picks of the week, I'm adding Murder World Avengers to my regular pull list. The premise Woo! of the comic sounds really cool, especially with the story being told from the POV of a podcaster. It seems like every time I turn around, I'm finding new inspiration from y'all, either in the form of an amazing comic book miniseries like Avengers Children's Crusade or in podcasts hosted by two righteous true believers such as yourselves who love comics, pop culture and doing good in the world. I
1: immensely appreciate it. All right. Love our faithful ambassador for the United States of Marvel's pull list and the People's Republic of this week in Marvel. All right. What do we have for an award name this week? All right, this week, short and sweet, we're going to be giving out the Bladder Like a Baby Award this week.
0: Easy peasy. We're going to be giving that to all the rest of the books that are out this week. And if you, dear listener, find this quote, screen cap it and tweet it to at and at Jasmine's with hashtag Marvel's pull list or email us at pulllist at marvel.com. If you're among the first, keep your emails handy, your DMs open. I'll hit you back with something cool. All right. Again, that award name is bladder like a baby. And let's get into it. First up is alien number three, which uh, we've had, you know, a, a bunch of really great alien stories. This may be my favorite because it gives us something we haven't seen enough of because we're focused mostly on a uh, uh, on like the synthetics in the alien universe. These um, these sort of androidy robot creatures, but they are very much real and they feel and they love and they have all these different emotions going on, but them going up against aliens and then the the stories that are building up around this, it is intense. And then I will give my bladder like a baby award to the final page because it is terrifying.
1: (sighs) Real scary. All right, next up we have all out Avengers number three. And in this issue, the Avengers are confronted with an army of uh, life model decoys Uh, that are all red skull flavored. And I'm going to go ahead and give my bladder like a baby award to just like the fun that the Avengers are having in this issue because they're all just, you know, like Black Panther starts it off and he's just like, any opportunity to kick the red skull in the face should be embraced with all the joy in your heart. And then we have She-Hulk who's like, "Ah, beating up fascists is such guilt free fun. And I'm like, you know what? You guys are right. I love this. This is awesome. I love it. Love being a fascist. Love it. All right. Amazing Spider Man number 14
0: gets an honorary pick of the week for me. I remember how much I loved this issue. It's so good, but it gives us uh, the reveal, the origin, the story behind the brand new character, Hollows Eve, who has this design by Ed McGuinness, which is so good. It is so cool, ridiculous how good this is. I can't wait to see cosplayers play go out as Hollow's Eve. She's she's incredible. Um, I will give my bladder like a baby award to the entire creative team here because it's split into four parts. This issue is split into seasons: spring, summer, fall, winter. Seb Wells writing it, but we've got incredible art for from Michael Dowling, Kyle Hotz, Terry Dodson, and Ryan Stegman as. The story of Hallows Eve comes together and you find out who she is, what she's gone through to get where she is, and how this all plays into Dark Web. I'm talking myself into saying this is one of our picks of the week, even though it's not officially one of our picks of the week. (laughs) It's so good. It's so
1: good. It's so hard not to spoil, too. uh, It's just perfect. There's so much about this character that I adore and I love what they're doing with them. And it's, uh, I know. I'm done. talking. Uh, I'm going to spoil it. If I keep talking. Yeah,
0: there's also I want to shout out. We sometimes talk about variant comics. One of the variant comics has Spidey with a Santa hat and Deadpool in it. It's, it's just such mm-hmm. a vibe. And I am here for
1: it. Made me real happy. All right, next up, we have Avengers Forever, issue number 11, and in this issue, like we've seen in past issues of Avengers Forever, we are continuing to collect a bunch of Avengers uh, from across the multiverse to bring them together uh, to fight the masters of evil of the multiverse. And in this particular issue, I'm gonna give my bladder like a baby award to Robbie Reyes, AKA the Ghost Rider, AKA the All Rider, uh, because in the past, couple of issues. In in this entire arc that Jason Aaron's been building, he's been playing a very important role. And it's a role that, like, doesn't give him much room to explore his humanity. And it's something that I think I've been getting more and more hungry for. I know a lot of other Ghostwriter fans have been getting hungry for because he's just kind of been this vehicle for the character's throughout the multiverse he's the one who is in charge or he's the one who can do this um and in this issue he is haunted but like we get some of that humanity back and it's exactly what i wanted and jason aaron just knows how to hit it Mm. and it's it was worth the wait i am so excited for avengers assemble like this was like the last piece i needed before going into that event and i am so pumped all right the next three
0: books are all Super weird and super trippy in a lot of ways, starting with Deadly Neighborhood Spider-Man number two. Holy moly, this is this is wild. Uh it's it's Spidey is in LA and he is fighting a demon bear, and there's mythology and stories that going in all kinds of directions. It's so cool, so weird. It's beautiful, beautiful art by Juan Freya. But um I want to give I would, I would give a million awards to this. I would give my bladder like a baby award to the art, to the cool stories that are within the stories here. But I'm going to give my bladder like a baby award to the groin sound effect as someone knees Spidey in the groin <laughs> in one of the panels here. And it just cracked I me I definitely
1: up. caught that. So good. I definitely caught that too. Yeah. That was so good. That's great. All right. Next up, we have Defenders Beyond, issue number five. I can go on and on about this series. I think you and I have both like praised it for how amazing it is. This book is gorgeous. It is so well-written. It is very, very, very high concept. Um, I had to read this issue at least three times to really soak in everything that happens in this issue, uh, which I love because you get more bang for your buck. You find new things each read. Um, and these characters are just so complex. Um, and in this one, we, we get to explore a little bit more about Loki and how he plays a role in all of this. But I don't want to give away too much because if you've been reading the series, you know exactly what you're going to get. Um, but I do want to give my Bladder Like a Baby Award to Al Ewing for adding three quotes that open up this issue. The first one by Albert Einstein, you know, pretty, pretty famous, you know, scientist guy. <laughs> yeah. Then we have Eugene Debs, who is a political activist. And the last one, Loki. Hmm. Three very important people. Um, but it, it feeds, it sets the stage for this book so well. Um, and again, you have to remember, it's a high concept book. There's a lot going on in here. You're going to have to expand the way you might think about comic
0: books when you read this one. Yeah. Uh, speaking of expanding the way you think about comic books, let's talk about Doctor Strange Fall Sunrise, number one, this is a, um, a spiritual successor, I will say, to Silver Surfer Black from a couple years ago, uh, where Trad Moore drew and, and colored and did the, the artwork on that beautiful, beautiful series. And now Trad has taken the reins as writer and artist for this Doctor Strange series. It is wild. I'm just going to give my Bladder Like a Baby award to some of the most beautiful trippy like fluid and liquidy visuals you will see in any comic anywhere right now trad is doing some unreal stuff throughout this could have been one of our picks just from the art alone it is a wild one it's going to i i think it's one that um will Will benefit from a couple of reads as you, you grasp the story and see where they're going, especially as we get more issues. But it ends with Doctor Strange in a very precarious position. Yeah, it's I'm looking at it now, it's so striking. Can't wait for everybody to get their hands on this one.
1: Yes. Next up, we have Genus Vell, Captain Marvel, issue number five. And this is the last issue of this miniseries. Uh, there's a lot that happens in here. Uh, our characters all finally kind of meet up at this one point that has to do a lot with a particular character who's been held hostage who might have a relationship with Rick Jones or maybe not at the end of this issue. We've got to read to find out. But I'm going to give my bladder like a baby award to the personification of life in this issue because I was so fascinated. I mean, like we see death in countless Marvel comics and it only raises the question like, okay, if death is personified in the Marvel universe, then life has to be as well. And when we meet this character, it is so... It's just like, oh yeah, of course. Uh, But the way that they're presented, the way that they're introduced um, and the way that they fit in this story is very fascinating. Uh, a lot of world building going on here. Yeah, for like these cosmic abstracts, we have
0: love and hate. We have order and chaos. Mm-hmm.
1: Why would we not have
0: a life? Exactly. mean perfect sense. It feels like it's such a Peter David thing to like come up with and give a, a cool like persona and attitude. And yeah, it this feels like a, kind of big thing for the marvel universe i dig it i dig it all right we have midnight suns number three this week and we've got a whole bunch of demons and nasty stuff but really cool background work for agatha harkness so if you are an agatha fan um there's a lot going on in this series and in this issue i want to give my bladder like a baby award though to how kushala the spirit rider um spirits up the ride that the heroes have in this weird dimension that they're stuck in uh it is a giant flying thing and the visual of it the way it happens it rules it was really cool
1: Yeah. all right next up we have star wars revelations issue number one last week i talked a lot about Hidden Empire, which was the Star Wars book that came out last week. It was a new number one issue that was kind of setting the stage for what's to come in the Star Wars universe uh, over on the comic side. Um, This issue, I think, pairs really nicely with it. If you're looking for a place to get started with Star Wars comics, like this is the place to do it. It brings the four main stories that are happening in the Star Wars universe together. Uh, It weaves them really nicely. It shows how they're all connected, even though they might not seem like it, Um, and it just it's a great introduction. I cannot recommend this one enough for that. That said, I'm going to give my bladder like a baby award to Darth Vader because not only does he play an integral role in this in this issue, he's a little sassy in this <laughs> issue and I kind of I kind of dig it.
0: Yeah. I'm here for mm-hmm. it.
1: All
0: right, we've got another Star Wars issue with Star Wars Yoda number 1. This is this was a lot of fun. It's uh, a mix of yoda being completely badass and like standing there and be oh, like
1: dude so oh
0: you just th- those moments that like when you first saw yoda pop the lightsaber in in the movies and watch him flip around and like kick ass you get a lot of that yoda in here but also uh and where i'm gonna give my bladder like a baby award you just get yoda being yoda a little cryptid a little weird yeah. a little sassy funny talking back just completely driving people insane but obviously he's yoda he knows the hell what he's doing so let him do it it's it's
1: look if you're at all a fan of yoda you gotta pick this up it's like yoda being badass when he doesn't even need to be badass seriously like he goes out of his way to be like you know what i'm gonna take this one don't worry guys take a seat all right last up we have x-force issue number 34 this could have also been a pick of the week uh If only just because this is an issue that I know you and I have been ta- have been waiting for. Every time we talk about X-Force and we bring up Sage and her drinking problem, we're constantly wondering what's going to happen. And in this issue, not only do we get to see her kind of begin to deal with it and address it, but we see how other members of X-Force, either, some of them help, some of them are trying to, uh, some of them are very like it feels like it's like the the world's worst kept secret on X Force because everyone's very aware of it. But there's one member, and I'm I if you've been reading this book, I'm pretty sure you can guess who it is who's been manipulating <laughs> or been is using this against her. And the way he does it is so um. And I like I had to swear yeah. there because there's no other way to yeah. say it. I don't know that hit me so hard when I read it. And I have to give my bladder like a baby award to this creative team for not only telling a wonderful story, but I think alcoholism is something that isn't often seen. Everybody pretends like it could never happen to them. But when we see it here, here's one of the smartest people in Krokoa, like falling victim to something like this. And when you learn why, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. Um, and I love seeing this type of story, this type of evolution. It's, it's very real. I'm sure everybody knows someone who's, you know, fallen victim to something like this. And it's like rooting for your best friend when you're reading this book.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I have a friend who's, you know, recovering and always will be. And watching this is terrifying and scary and it should be terrifying and scary and sad. Um, yeah, all the things you said, It's it's intense. Great issue for sure. All right, those are the new comics on sale now this week, but we got a ton more. We've got a second volume of Amazing Spider-Man by Zed Wells and John Romita Jr. We've got...
1: Carnage Volume 1, which is a, a sleeper fave for us. That book has been a surprisingly beautiful book uh, for a serial killer.
0: Mm-hmm character (laughs) uh also of course it's the time of the year so there's new omnibuses aliens the original years volume three spectacular spider-man and more go ask your local comic shop for all of that uh and then over on marvel unlimited what infinity comics do we have this week jasmine
1: yes we have a bunch of infinity comics hitting shelves this week Highly recommend you download the MU app and download some of these comics while you're traveling. Um, Unless you're driving, please don't drive and read (laughs) comics. Uh, Not a good thing, but if you're catching a flight or hopping on a bus, now's the perfect time to get caught up on all these Infinity Comics. We have Avengers Unlimited, Infinity Comic number 21, and Spider-Verse Unlimited, Infinity Comic number 25. We have Electric Rain, chapter four. Uh, We have Marvel's Voices, Black Panther, Infinity Comic number 27. Love Unlimited, Hulkling and Wiccan, Infinity Comic 25 and Alligator Loki, issue number 13. And we have Test Kitchen Thanksgiving special Infinity Comic number one, which we'll touch on a little bit towards the end of our reading club this week with Chef Paul.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice little teaser there. Over on the rest of Marvel Unlimited, we've got Axe Death to the Mutants number one. We've got Avengers 1 million BC number one, which is a really big issue. <sighs> For that, new issues of Captain Marvel, Daredevil, Hulk, Iron Cat, and X-Men, as well as plenty, plenty more. Check them all out over on Marvel Unlimited, where you could also read the Test Kitchen Infinity
1: comic. Why, Jasmine? Because we are talking to Michelin star chef Paul Eschbach about Test Kitchen and his career as a chef and how that converges with comic books. You'd be shocked to learn how similar they are. Yeah,
0: it's pretty cool. Stay hungry always. Mm hmm. All right, everybody, I hope. You have eaten recently because we're going to be talking about some food and some good stuff. Yeah, literally Jasmine and I were talking about making sure we had eaten before uh, getting into the comics that we're going to talk about because we are going to be talking about Test Kitchen, the Infinity Comics with writer and chef Paul Eschbach. Hello,
1: Paul. Hey guys, how you doing? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Paul isn't just a normal chef. He's a Michelin star chef. Come on, we can't, we got to give him his, his dues. Guys, I got I
2: the team I worked with—we earned it. it. Was a team effort. Come on, that was—and that was a few years ago. It was a few years ago. <laughs> I appreciate hey, that, though. Own it. I pre- I'm owning, own. it. I'm, I'm told yes. I have to work on that more.
0: Hell yeah, good. Uh, Paul, were you? Have you been a comic fan your entire life? Did you grow up reading comics? What was your history with Marvel?
2: Uh, I think for me, when I'm 43 now. I'm old. I, mu- I must have. I would say I lived in Japan as a kid, uh, and I like, got into like Dragon Ball Z and that sort of stuff, yeah. and all the, the manga, and and then I came back to the United States when I was like 13, 12, 13, and that's when I got into Marvel. I remember buying like, I think it was Jim Lee was still drawing for X-Men, it was like the beginning back then, like for me it was the beginning, that was my introduction to it, and that's when I started diving in and, and collecting and and buying at least for the next four years throughout high school,
1: that's awesome. Um, I want to talk about where your history with Marvel Comics intersects with your culinary like career, but I guess where when does that start your your career?
2: I went to Virginia Tech for computer science <laughs> 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 I mean the video the, the comics turned into video games, video games turned into computer science, and then I, and then I remember just being miserable trying to code and just like. I learned that I need like a social interaction with people to do, to live my life. And computer science was not that. So I've taken like a 600 mile canoe trip when I was like 18. And, and I fell in love with like the feeling of being, yeah, it's weird. I got all kinds of weird things. And I fell in love with being <laughs> like cooking for people, like that feeling. And I remember growing up and cooking with my mom, and cooking with my dad for family parties and stuff like that. Um, and that feeling was something that I wanted to try after I came back from that trip and wasted my father's money at Virginia Tech for a year. So uh, <laughs> I'm sure he was real happy. He, he made sure I did pay for the first year of uh, the CIA, which was very expensive as well. So he got me back. But
0: for everybody, listening, that's the Culinary Institute of America. We're not paying the CIA for our, our work in the <laughs> intelligence communities, just to be sure everybody understands.
2: Be a lot cooler, though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it would be. I don't know. Cooking's pretty dope.
2: It, it's fun, yeah. It's like cooking it, for me has been that thing where it's a job, but it's not a job. Like when you really love something and you're, and you, I'm sure you guys know, and you're doing something, it's like I I could work 100 hours a week, which I end up having to do still now. And I'm like, it, yeah, it hurts now, but it's
1: still fun, right? I still enjoy it. I still love the hell out of it. That's awesome. Um, okay, so where or how did you get into Marvel?
2: I think I, like when I met CB, I met CB uh, in China when I was working in Shanghai. Uh, and he and I just hit it off. I think he, my wife's parents were living in the same town that he was from. He and I spent a lot of years of our life in Japan and we sort of had these like qualitative experiences. Um, and he loves food and I was a chef and we sat talking about maybe one day doing a, a chef comic. I remember we were, I think at the, one of the bars or corner tables in one of my restaurants in Shanghai. Um, and that's when, that's when I really started talking to him. But we, that was a running conversation for a few years until COVID hit. And then he popped back up and I saw him in Connecticut in 4th of July. And he was like, let's do this. And we were like, uh, I was like, all right, I got nothing else going on. Let's do, this. let's do it. Let's do it. I can't wait. This is exciting. <laughs> I mean, it was like literally goosebumps. Goosebumps, like being asked to like work on a project for, for Marvel. I was like, yeah, this is, I, I was electric. I was like so excited, man. I was like a feeling, I felt like a kid again. It was crazy.
0: It's interesting you talk about, you know, growing up in Japan and, and obviously manga influence on on just your tastes of, of graphic fiction and stuff like that. But then you, you're teamed with uh, artist E.J. Su, who has that great blend of American comic storytelling, but also manga influences that are very clear in, in the work. Um, and then, you know, I, I don't know how many of our regular Marvel Comics readers know about you know like the prevalence of food manga and like cooking manga and and all kinds of like how that is deep into the manga side of things how much of that was in your mind as you started to do you started to think about what you wanted to do for test kitchen
2: that was a that was very much uh an inspiration and something that the boss had said we need to sort of like aspire to be like right like we're not gonna like i definitely to do some research and read a bunch of those like My father's fluent in Japanese and and real deep into that. So he was like, Paul, read these. CB was like, Paul, read these. So I I definitely read a bunch of those to see, to visualize like how we're going to do this, right? Like that's definitely a a pretty big influence.
0: Um, I mean, I was rereading the the Test Kitchen comics this morning uh, and I was like, I need to eat. But then I I went upstairs and I I said to my wife, who is a, a great cook, she she's she's the one who does all the cooking in the house because i murder everything and uh i was like babe we gotta have these pork katsu tortas soon please she's like well that sounds great and i was like the recipe is extremely hard and i I was like i was reading it it's in the comic and it's really long it's all these steps she's like you look at it and you see something difficult but i look at it and i see how it flows and how it moves i was like oh yeah if you have the mind for these things, you kind, of, you maybe kind of see it in a different way.
2: I think that's absolutely true because it was literally from right, like from like EJ being just the amazing artist that he is, just was drawing like I was taking step by step videos and pictures, and he just drew them all. Oh, that's cool! So crazy, like the how, how, he nailed everything. I like again, like the chills when I first I saw that first issue. I was like, this is this is, this is so cool. Like it's a illustrated cookbook. Like it's great, but you're right. It's so, there's so many details that we add in there. And then we're learning as we go and, and sort of like grasp, grasp more of an audience to like maybe simplify some things. Can we scale it all the way back so that like any 12 year old can say, hey mom, I want to make this or hey dad, I want to do this. Like when we, you know, Marvel will be, we come back to us and they're like, okay, here's the feedback guys. Like, is there any way we can say, you know, we couldn't find Calabrian chili. Can we use other ingredients? Can you sort of go to King Cullen or whatever part Safeway? I don't know what a grocery store is in your part of the, the woods is and pick up and find these ingredients and get it done. And that, that is the goal. That's the hard part. And that's something that if we can teach those basics in this first season um, and then move on through the next season with some more basics, some more like fun food and things that I'm constantly trying to think of that will help us bring in a larger audience and make it, just more exciting for everybody.
1: And I I do want to like reiterate that like when we say like building off the basics, like these actual recipes that are in these first three issues are not like, I don't want to call them basic. Like they're not like they are incredibly savory. And like, I was fascinated that these were like the first ones that you picked. Like, how did you, how did you narrow it down? I think it was like, number one, the storyline matters,
2: right? Like as we build the character and, and she's going through this sort of event, like, Okay, she's gonna have a food truck. What are we gonna serve in the food truck? Like I remember living in New York City, and like torta trucks in Queens, and and that sort of thing. Okay, let me put a spin on it because she has uh, an Asian influence, and do a katsu sort of torta. You know what I mean? Like that. That's the way that that occurred. And then further on, when we do other things, whether it's um, the butternut pumpkin soup or now we're doing these dumplings, it is basically like, Ugh. like. Using, what what's around, what's available, what's seasonal, what all the things that you would do as a chef, and just translating that into comics.
0: You mentioned the character in Test Kitchen, and, and she's going through some stuff. So let's talk about: is it Anna or Anna in your head?
2: In my head, it's it's Anna, Anayama, but Anna. that would just so it would be two different things. But I think that like it, traditionally. In Japanese would have probably had to be Anna.
0: I'm gonna go with what's in your head. So Anna Amiyama uh, is is the chef. She's the star of the book. Um, and and when you're talking about you know it all comes down to the story that so clicks because you got her in this first issue and her dream of owning her own truck and and going through all the stuff and like I can visualize that torta to truck and and what that's like and I'm just like I can see her story you know, so clearly from just the little bit that we are introduced to her and that heartbreak that she goes through in that first issue. Um, have you ever owned or, or run a truck?
2: No, no. It's been it's been one of those things, like, unfortunately, I don't know, like, everyone, always, like, I don't know, they made movies about it. It just got to be too yeah. much. Like, yeah. It, it was an overdone thing. But at the same Ugh. time, it's still fun. It's still a little romantic, right? Like, it's still like, hey, if I could do anything and I didn't have the financial constraints of actually running a business, and I'm not saying people that operate food trucks are, but like, what would I do, right? It it would be something fun, like a food truck or a small sort of uh, gastropub. Like, those are the fun things that chefs were like, if I didn't have to worry about anything, right? If I cook for the joy of cooking and to see people's reaction immediately, then those are the sort of things that I would want to do. And that's, and thus the food truck.
1: What kind of food truck would you do?
2: Oh, it would have to be a revolving guy. I wouldn't want to be stuck in, I mean, there's going to be because of my life and background, a lot of Asian influence, but like, I love,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I love like cooking. It just always depends. Like depending on the year, or the phase, like it's always changing, whether it's, I mean, going through this fall and I'm doing like an Italian phase or I switch into some sort of French thing in the deep of winter like that. Like it just shifts, right? Like, Will I always want to serve some sort of raw thing? Of course. Like I can't. Like same,
1: same for me. You know, some some weeks I'm like, you know, ramen. Other <laughs> weeks I'm like, you know, I'm more macaroni and cheese. Uh I'll throw an, an occasional quesadilla in there. You're you know, in like your thirties
0: now, Jasmine. Come on.
1: I'll rock some mac and cheese with some spam and some uh, let's go.
2: Chili crunch. Let's go. go. Oh, come on, that's delicious. I have to do shame.
0: Whatever brings us comfort, right? In a lot of ways
2: absolutely come on that's what food food should just be love
0: speaking of comfort is there a a, like a dish or a meal for you that brings you that level of comfort that like whether it's you're cooking yourself or someone else cooks it for you like what is that that dish that meal that brings you back and you just go ah Uh,
2: i would see my mother's from a place called guam and so like even today because we're giving people vacation in the kitchen and stuff, I made staff meal and I made a dish called chicken adobo and it's like um it's it's like also Filipino, Latin, it's all from Spanish influence coming through, but the Chamorro or people from Guam, it's basically like chicken braised with soy, vinegar, onions and other like other seasonings. But that's the gist of it and I cooked that today for the staff. I don't know if they appreciated it, but
1: it makes me feel good. I don't know. That sounds delicious.
0: My question about the comfort foods really kind of comes from issue three, where we've got the barbecue for Janet's birthday. And, you know, there's all it's a really sweet story, which is something overall. It's a thing that I love. I've talked a lot about on the shows. I love our stories about our heroes where they're able to just like chill for a minute and have just character moments and relationships and just like not necessarily fighting the giant fights and i think this one of the reasons why this hits with me is because uh we get to see them in the in that light and so we're here in just like this barbecue and it's great and the the moments where they start to smell things where the avengers are all there and they're like what is that smell like it's so pure it's so sweet it made me so happy uh and part of that is the connection that anna has to Avengers lore uh, by the time now we're, we're into our fifth issue with now the Thanksgiving issue um we, we get to we, we got some understanding that Anna is connected to uh the Avengers in a very big way how did that come together
2: uh again like when you have a when you have a mentor like CB like he makes sure that you get all the Easter eggs he's like bro we gotta like we could really we can really dive deep. Let's, let's intertwine this and make this really interconnected. And that's what we're doing. And I think there's some more surprises coming up. I mean, there are more surprises coming up, which are going to be really cool.
1: Yeah. Issue, issue three ends on a very mysterious note. Um, it kind of teases something to come. And I'm very curious. Right. <laughs> uh,
0: we also want to make sure we talk about the Thanksgiving issue, which is great. We get to see a whole different side of Anna and it's her cat her roommate, the all that stuff. It's really cute, a lot of fun. I have got to ask though, they make dumplings in this one, and Imbetu, uh, uh, her roommate, is from Wakanda. And as they're making the dumplings, he's like, "We have a version of this in Wakanda," and that's true. What you said earlier, like every culture, kind of every every region, everybody has their own version of dumplings. For my wife and her family, it's pierogi, and so I think you know, it's whatever works for you. Do you have a favorite sort of kind of dumpling?
1: And why is it empanadas? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what? Um,
2: I like some empanadas. I'll eat some empanadas. I tell you, I tell you what. Like being a chef and like having all these different cultures where you go in the world and like people bring in their foods like from their own cultures. Like yeah. the kitchen I have now, there's three different ethnicities, and they all bring in their favorites, and I'm like in their house in it. Same as in the comic, like, just let me eat six tamales today. I didn't really need to do that, but I can do that. Um, to get back to the, the question, I think, man, what is it? Din Tai Fung has this, like, shrimp and pork dumpling. I don't know if you guys, um, with this chili sauce, with, like, chili, soy, cilantro, scallion on top. I think a shrimp and pork dumpling guy. I used to go to different parts of China with some friends, and um, I took part in, like, uh, like a Chinese New Year and we would go and just for two hours, three hours at night, just handful dumplings and that was really fun. And it's like a very simple pork one or like a scallop and chive or shrimp and chive one. Um, I don't know it's a hard I'll eat anything in a dumpling. Let's be honest. If I can dip it in black vinegar and soy sauce yes. with ginger and there's some sort of chili element, it just got all the things salty, sweet, juicy like, let's not even go into soup dumplings. Are you kidding me? Like, there's so many different things.
1: Oh, don't get me started. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's so good. As someone who is terrible at cooking but loves dumplings and spends way too much money on takeout, thank you so much for making me realize how simple they are to make. Yeah, and
2: and we wanted to make sure that, like, you could put whatever you want in it. Like, that's the fun of it, right? Yeah, like I thought that was really cool like the banana nutella guy but like we wanted to make sure like you can do whatever you want and with all these recipes like you really no one should be like no one should be afraid to cook what's the worst that's going to happen you're going to make it it's not going to be good whatever you throw it out you start over you give it to the dog done and done right like <laughs> just have fun that's the approach we wanted to have we wanted it to be fun before
1: we let you go i have one last question um and this is something that like i think all of us have experienced. Um, When we go to the grocery store, we've, we've begun to notice that the prices on a lot of household items, a lot of staples have gone up. And, you know, with everything that's going on with inflation, like I'm curious, what are some staples that the everyday person should like absolutely have in their pantry or fridge, and they can make heartier meals with without having to, you know, break the bank?
2: I, you're, listen, you're absolutely right. I, every time I go to the grocery store, I'm like, what did I, what did I just spend? Yeah. Or what did I just buy? Like, I look in the cart, I'm like, what's going on? And I'm a chef, and I'm like, looking at the prices as I'm buying things. Yeah. And my daughter's trying to put things in the cart as I'm, <laughs> I'm like, no, put that back. It's still $300 every time. I don't even know what's going on. But, anyways, um, you get, you got to have butter in the house. You have to have a good olive oil. Those are the hmm. things that, like, those two things are great for me, a good kosher salt, like a diamond crystal kosher salt. Those aren't like necessarily like, you're not going to like save money on those, but you need to have those if you're going to cook anything good, right? Like kosher salt, butter, olive oil. And then from there, I I guess like chicken always seems relatively cheap, but vegetables almost are the way to go still, right? Like I went through a phase in California, and I'm not really in that phase right now, but it, I generally do at some point during the year where I try to eat mainly vegetable forward dishes, right, yeah. which are supplemented by a little bit of meat, maybe sometimes, or egg, or maybe not at all. Um, and for me, that's something that is very important. Um, just living, in, living abroad and seeing how different people eat food and utilize protein, that's one way to, to save money is to cut back the amount of protein you eat and and honestly like you can get that same protein from beans from mixing that with rice like those sort of things you could do that are still just as delicious and then flavor them with a little bit of bacon or a little bit of whatever you want if you really need that right like let's using miso as as a way to accentuate something or add depth um that's something that I like to do i again like i think that would be the takeaway. You cut down on the meats. Cut down on the proteins. Not trying to be all preachy. Not trying to be like, live your life, like do whatever you're gonna do. But if you do one meal a day, you're gonna save some money for sure. One meal a day with no meat, you'll save some money, and it's probably gonna be better for you. As a, as a chef, I can probably say that unless you're packing on, unless you're tripling up on the mashed potatoes and being like, oh, I'm not eating meat. Now that's not gonna work.
1: <laughs> all the carbs. <laughs>
2: Exactly. You can't supplement. (laughs) Exactly. You can't be like that. Uh, But I would absolutely cut back on the protein for sure. Think about it. Like you can get tortillas and just beans and any type of vegetable sauteed mushrooms, chopped up, whatever, slice of avocado um, grilled some grilled squash, throw it in anything in a tortilla. Your tortilla is your vehicle with guacamole, salsa, fresh cilantro, nothing to talk about. Like really like that's, you're full apple four. Right now is the fall. You can make squash tacos like that. Easy peasy, right? Can of beans, throw some chopped kale on there if you want to take it to that level, but otherwise just some iceberg. Iceberg is delicious.
1: Come on, love me iceberg. I think that's going to be my my plan for dinner tonight. Um, But also I think the title for this episode is tortillas are your vehicle.
2: Tortillas are your vehicle. You should use more tortillas in life. I love that. Go roast some Delicat wash tonight. Put a little bit of, what's that, uh, tagine? Get that tagine, Leah. Oh, tagine?
1: Hell yeah. yeah. I love tagine.
2: Tagine, roast it off, olive oil. Put that Ooh. on there. Some black beans. You gotta you
1: gotta All right. Now I'm hungry again, damn it.
2: <laughs> Mission accomplished.
0: Uh, great stuff, uh, Paul. Thank you so much, and we'll we'll keep our eyes open for the next issue of Test kits.
2: Yes. Thank you guys. That was a lot of fun. Take care.
0: Once again, big thanks to Chef Paul Eschbach, and uh, I should say, Chef and writer Paul eshbach yeah uh because yeah everybody go read those five issues of test kitchen over on marvel unlimited those infinity comics are really really good if anybody out there does any of the recipes let us know yeah please i please i am as i was telling chef and you jasmine i'm gonna give the recipe give my uh my mu to my wife and and see if we can do the the torta the
1: pork katsu torta Mm, it's gonna be so good you have to let me know how it turns out i'm so excited and yeah Please send us your pictures too, because there's nothing I love more than food pictures. All right. You... Actually, no, there is. And it's food. <laughs> yeah. Eat the food,
0: then look at the food. That's how it works.
1: Yeah. All
0: right. That's a wrap for us. This episode of Marvel's Polis was produced by Ryan Panagos, Jasmine Estrada, and Cara McGurk Allison.
1: Brad Barton is Polis Senior Manager of Audio Production and Development. And Jill DeBoff is our Director of Audio. If you are a fan of the show, make sure you rate and subscribe to the series, wherever you get your podcast, and, you know, tell a friend.
0: If you're sitting down for our Thanksgiving dinner this week, say, I'm thankful for Marvel's pull list. Yeah. And then, then you can have a great conversation about yeah. comic books.
1: Or we'll go if, from there. if you have like an uncle who is like, you know, always bringing up the worst topics like politics or religion, just be like, hey, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. You know what we can all agree on? Marvel Unlimited. It's such a great app.
0: There you go.
2: All right, I'm Ryan. And I'm Jasmine. And this is Marvel. Your universe.